Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Southside Online. And uh, my name is Jeff Williams, the lead pastor here at Southside Church. And we meet in Athens, Georgia at our Redstone campus. And we also have a satellite location in Commerce, Georgia, the Commerce Campus. And so we would love for you, if you live in this area, to come be a part of this with us. We invite you. Come and join us in one of our two locations and see what it's Uh, what it's like to be a part of real biblical community. Our desire is to build real followers of Jesus Christ. And we believe that relationships encourage action and that leads to true life change. And then that in turn helps us to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are. And just you watching today, participating in this on or through our online message, this is a great way for you to even help us do that. And so we want you to connect with us. And you can connect in an online capacity. But, but if you do, if you're living in this area, come be a part of it. Come join us. Be a guest. Shake, shake our hand. Tell us who you are. Say, hey, I started watching online, and I'm so thankful that uh, you guys have an opportunity to you know hang out. We would love to be able to do that, meet you, and get to know you. Today, 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 we're talking about finding community. It's a part of of what we call our discipleship pathway because we want to define what a real follower of Jesus Christ looks like. And this is what it looks like. We believe that it's when you know God in a personal, real way, you find community, and I'm talking about biblical community, in a local assembly. You grow deeper in your faith because of that, and then it leads to making disciples, which is basically every church and every believer's mission and commission from Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's what a real follower of Jesus looks like. And when you do those things, we believe it leads to vision, which is helping make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are. And so when we talk about finding community, it's something that, I don't know, I'm calling the we factor. And basically, a lot of people just live life like this. They live, when life gets kind of turned upside down and life is difficult, it's, it's easy to see that we shift to me. And there's a me fo- focus, or you could call it the me factor. Well, when Jesus enters your world and comes into your life, and there's a, there's a transformation that takes place with the Holy Spirit present with you, he wants to turn that me upside down. And he wants the me to become a we, because we are better together. And the we factor is, is speaking about the transforming power of biblical community. And just my story is, 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 is true of this right here. I like to tell people that I came to church through Pretty Girl Evangelism. My wife, Candy, she invited me to church. I was 19 years old. She was 17, and, and uh, she invited me, and I said yes. Why? Because she was pretty, and I was hanging out with her, and I'd go wherever she went, and uh, she went to church. And so we went together. And, and sitting in that environment that day and watching and experiencing what was happening, I said that day in my mind and my heart, I said, if this is real, I want to be a part of that. I want this in my life. And, uh, and so I just jumped in. And, and Candy and I are different, and, and I don't know about you, but we're, we're, we're different people. If we're going to go swimming, this is how she gets in the swimming pool. She's going to go to the steps, and she's going to put her foot in, and she's going to test the water. And if it feels okay, she's going to go to the next step and the next step, and then eventually she'll be in the water. Not this boy. I'm going to get on the diving board, and I'm going to jump in. 
And then when I come up, I'm going to tell you what the water feels like. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. And uh, we're just different. And, and so I think ministry is a lot like that too. Church is a lot like that. I mean, really anything is like that. And so you're probably going to be in one of those two places. And either is okay. But for me, I just jumped right in. And, and, and I found... What I found when I did that, and and Candy did just the the opposite, but she did the same thing. We found transforming power in biblical community. And that was some, gosh, that was some 30 years ago. You know, that was 30 years ago. But but today, today, it was even, you know, today when we we see that, it's, it's still the same. You, you still get involved the same way. You still connect in the same way. And it doesn't change. We are better together. And so in the book of Romans, it's a great book on, on, on Bible uh, knowledge and Bible doctrine or Bible theology. In other, in other words, knowing what you believe. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the book of Romans is a great place to go. And the first 11 chapters of Romans, the guy that writes the book, Paul, is, is describing faith in Christ and what that looks like. And so he's giving you a lot of instruction, and that's great and that's good. But in chapter 12, something happens. In chapter 12, there's a, there's, it's, it's like a hinge on a door. There's a shift because we go from instruction to application. And so the first part, we learn the, the whys of Christianity. And in Romans 12 through Romans 16, you see the how of Christianity. And this is what he says in the two verses that begin the 12th chapter. He says, therefore. And when you're reading your Bible, and if you ever see the word therefore, you ought to ask yourself the question, what's it there for? And because he said something previous, and now he's going he's gonna to give you application, or he's going to give you a reason for what he just said. He said, therefore. By the mercies of God, you and I are watching this, we're living this, we're breathing air today simply because God is merciful. God is merciful. God is full of mercy. See, the world or people would like for us to believe, and sometimes we just believe this ourselves, that God is full of wrath. God is not full of wrath. God is full of mercy. He is a God of mercy. And he is offering amazing grace to anyone that will receive it that'll make it personal in their life. And so Paul is constantly referring to the grace and mercy of God. And he kind of goes back and forth. He's, 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 he's laid out theology and now he's given us application, but he still goes back and brings things in all the time to help us understand. And so Paul says, by the mercies of God, Because God is so merciful with us who are just a bunch of sinners, he said, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you to present or offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. The Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, it's, it's, a, it's about a, a sacrificial system where people would bring an animal or they would bring a gift of some kind. They would offer it to the priest so that he would sacrifice it on an altar before God and it would be a covering for their sin. The Bible tells us in the New Testament in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. And so the Old Testament system was not about living sacrifices, it was about dead sacrifices. 
But something shifted in the New Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus came. And Jesus came to pay for the sins of all mankind, to pay the penalty for your sin. Because the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so here, now, when Jesus died on a cross for you, and three days later he arose for you, Jesus made it possible for you to be alive in him. And for you to be a living sacrifice. The only problem with the living sacrifices is we keep crawling off the altar. <laughs> you know, we keep getting up and trying to do our own thing. God doesn't want you just to live on a slab and say, This is me, I'm a living sacrifice. No, He wants you to walk, talk, live, breathe, do life, but do it in the context of, of sacrificing my life for the kingdom of heaven. God, I want you to work in me so that you can work through me. And so Paul says, I'm urging you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, offer, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God. Have you ever wondered how you could please a holy God? A holy God? How can I please a holy God? Here you go. Offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. Another version says this is your reasonable act of worship. This is the least you can do. Verse number two, he says this. Do not be conformed. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this age. Instead, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind because then you may be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Paul said the least you can do, the least we, you and I should do is to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. He said then there's a progression. Now it's about transforming this mind, heart, body. He said, I, I wanna see this transformed and, and I, wanna, I don't want to be conformed to a pattern of this world. If you, if you go hit up all the fast food restaurants around you and go to restaurants and just eat a ton of food, and, and that's just, you don't really pay attention to your weight, you don't pay attention to who you are and what's going on in your life, you'll conform to a certain way. You're going to conform in a way that may not be good and healthy for you. But instead, if you make a decision to go to the local fitness center, pay a fee, and, and, and show up every day and put the work in, you're not gonna conform to something, you're gonna be transformed into something. And so Paul said, I want you to be transformed and I want it to start in your mind so that you will have discernment and that discernment will help you see what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. See, transformation, transformation is a radical change. It's not just change, it's a radical change in form, in appearance, in character. That's, that's what transformation is. It is not a minor shift. This is a complete alteration. Jesus doesn't come into our life to share. He comes in to take over. He comes in to be a part of everything. Here we like to say Jesus is the center of everything that we do. Yes, I want him to be first. Yes, I want him to, to be primary in all of these things in my life, but I want him to be center because I want him to, to have influence and impact so many areas, every area of my life. And so here, this is, a, this is not just minor shifts we're talking about. This is a complete and total alteration. And in order to transform what we do, we must first transform how we think. That's what Paul said. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We must first transform how we think because what we think 
That determines how we behave. And so today, I wanna really talk to you about how to have real biblical community. What does that look like and why is that important in our life? And so we'll use Romans 12 as our context. We're gonna jump down to verse number nine and we're gonna read a few verses. This is kind of part number one. Next week, we'll do part number two. But here we talked about, I talked about this last week. Go check this one out. He said, love must be without hypocrisy. Love must be real, not fake. Take off the mask. He said, detest evil and cling to what is good. Real biblical community begins with real biblical love. And and real biblical love is without hypocrisy. You take off the mask. Then, Then you're ready to shun evil and do what is good. I'm ready to go to God's word and let God's word speak into my life. Listen, God's gonna speak to you in one of five primary ways. Primarily, God's gonna speak to us through his word. Then God will speak through prayer, through the church, through godly counsel and influence, and finally, through circumstances in order to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Make no mistake about it, though. God is primarily gonna speak to us today through the context of the Bible. And most people just don't read it. Most people don't have a daily intake of God's word. Most people don't have a regular consumption of God's word. What we do have a regular consumption of is a, is a, is a device with a screen, and we let, that, it, we let that control and conform our way of thinking. God said, no, conform, when you're conforming, you're really not you're even putting a lot of effort into it. It's just happening. Transformation is a process. It is something you work toward, and it is not a minor shift. It's a complete alteration. He says, detest evil. Cling to what is good. Do right, do right, do right, do right, do right. Even if the stars fall from heaven, you do right. And where do I find out what is right, what is wrong? It's all gonna be found in the context of God's word. It is true for all people at all places and all times. Romans 12, 10. He says, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. The context is found in the, in the local church and assembly. That's the way we want to live life. That's the way we want to do church and ministry. And then he dives into to eight specifics, eight things that, that we can do to help bring biblical, real biblical community in our life. And that's a part of becoming a real follower of Jesus. We want you to know God. We want you to find community Grow deeper in your faith so that you can help us make disciples. And so Paul says, do not lack diligence, number one. Do not lack diligence. Do not, do not lack or lag in zeal or passion or, 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 or intensity. Be fervent in the Spirit. Eagerly seek the Holy Spirit. Serve the Lord. He says, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, and then number eight, pursue hospitality. So if we're gonna talk about those things, let's look at them one at a time, four today, four next week, check this out. Number one, he says this, you go back and you look at what he said, he says here, he says, do not lack diligence, do not lack diligence. So what does that mean? This is what that means. Do not lag behind in zeal. Do not lag behind in passion. 
when we go to work, when God goes to work in our life, when we take off the mask, detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection with brotherly love, and, and outdo one another in showing honor, those things begin to connect us to the body of believers, the body of Christ, where Christ is the head and we are his body, and every, fun, every part of our body has a function, and it works together with something else. The hand doesn't say to the eye, I don't need you. The, the nose doesn't say to the mouth, I don't need you. The ear doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. We all need it, and we all work together. And so when these things go to work in our life, it creates passion. It generates passion in us so that we will have an outward focus and mentality. He said, look, don't lag behind in zeal or passion. Colossians 3. Paul is the writer of the letter of Colossians, and this is what he says. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. Whatever you do, do it with a smile on your face, do it with joy in your heart, do it with some enthusiasm. Enthusiasm always breeds enthusiasm. And so do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for man. He says in verse 24, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. He said, whatever you do, don't lag behind in zeal, in passion. What does that mean? It means great energy, enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. He says, exercise the gift God has given you to further his kingdom. And he said, do whatever you do, do it enthusiastically, like you're serving the Lord. See, cultivating zeal, and you cultivate it. We cultivate zeal and passion. It has to grow in us because you don't just wake up one day and be passionate about something. It grows on you. And as it grows and you cultivate that passion, it gets bigger and greater and stronger. Cultivating zeal is about consistency and proximity to the Lord. I am a passionate sports fan. I am passionate about Georgia sports. The Georgia Bulldogs, the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks, I'm passionate about it. Local high school sports here, I am passionate about it, okay? But I'm also close to it. I have consistency and proximity. I watch it, I read about it, I know about it, and I'm close to the situation because I live in this context. And so I cultivate a passion for the local sports of this area, and it's all about consistency and proximity. The same thing applies with, my, with the Word of God. If I don't read the Word of God, if I don't spend time with God, if I don't do the things with God's people, I'm not going to have it because there's no consistency or proximity. Don't lag behind in zeal. Number two, eagerly follow the Holy Spirit. The day that you open the door of your life and allow the Lord Jesus Christ in, he gives you the deposit of the Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee from him that you are his. And one day you'll spend eternity in heaven. But until that time, the Holy Spirit is here to guide you, convict you, love you, help you, encourage you, build you, strengthen you. He says, therefore, eagerly follow the Holy Spirit. Eagerly follow him. In other words, let him work in your life. 
Revelation chapter three. Revelation is kind of a scary book. It's kind of like saying Mufasa. Ooh, say it again, Mufasa. Ooh, say it again, Revelation. Ooh, you know? It's really not that scary of a book. It's scary for people because they don't understand it. It's scary for people because it talks about heaven and hell. It's scary for people because it talks about people being left behind. That's frightening because people don't know. Okay, well, give your life to Jesus and you'll know. It's very simple. But this is what he says in Revelation chapter three. Jesus is talking about people who don't cultivate the zeal in their life and they're not following the Holy Spirit. They're just kind of stuck in the middle. Jesus said, I know your works. He said, I know what you do. He also said, I know what you did. He said that you are neither cold nor hot. He said, I wish that you were cold or hot. But because you're not, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, this is where it gets kind of gross, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Okay, Jesus said, I want you to be, I wish you were hot or cold. Sometimes I would read that, I used to read that and think, okay, well, I wanna be hot for Jesus, red hot, woo! But, but, but it's kind of like drinking cold water or hot coffee. Both are good, I enjoy both, okay? And I, neither one is, is bad. One is not greater than the other. Jesus said, I want you to be this way or this way. He said, I want you to be cold. I want you to be hot. What I don't want you to be is lukewarm. I don't want you to be indifferent. I don't want you to just be stuck in the middle doing nothing for anybody. He said, because that right there, I've got no time for. And he said, if you're that, I'm just gonna vomit you from my mouth. It's sickening. This is what he says about following the spirit. He says, fervent is this. It is having or displaying a passionate intensity. Same word used to describe bringing water to a boil. You're, imagine bringing water to a boil. And it takes a while for that to happen, but you turn the heat up and eventually that water begins to get hotter and hotter and hotter and eventually it's gonna boil over. That is fervency. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And we should be so fired by the Spirit of God that we eventually boil over with joy in serving the Lord. He says this, when you, when you fervently serve, or, or when you are fervent in, in following the Holy Spirit, he said that leads to serving the Lord. We should be so fired by the Spirit of God that we eventually boil over with joy. Joy in our heart in serving God. COVID did a, a, a number on the church because it, 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 we, we shut down, we went away, and, and people left. And, and even today, a lot of people didn't return. They didn't return because of fear. They didn't return because of, uh, of, of whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of variables. I think the main reason people didn't return is because of complacency. It's just, it just shows what's most important in our life. And we just kind of get used and get into a habit of just not coming back and life gets in the way. And so we lose our joy in serving God. This is how you cultivate faith. I don't really know any other way to do it. I'm gonna do it in a relationship with God where I read his word, I pray, I learn his word, I, I, I talk about his word, I grow in his word, but I also wanna be a part of biblical community because that's gonna give me accountability, it's gonna give me encouragement, it may give me some, 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 some rebuking in my life if I need it, some conviction, but it's gonna open doors for me to serve God, to grow in my faith. 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna get relationships and see that. I'm gonna see some people down and some people up. I'm gonna realize where I am in that. And when I'm struggling, I've got people around me. And God uses that and builds our faith. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Find an area in your community where you can serve the Lord. Find a church where you can serve the Lord, where you can do something. And if the first thing you try doesn't work, that's fine. Try something else. This is what he says here in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, therefore, my dearest brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be firm, be immovable, be always excelling in the Lord's work and always know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Hey, you may not get it right the first time. You may not get it right the 10th time. You may be going great for a while and then slip and fall. You may stumble and, and fail, whatever. Be steadfast, be immovable. In other words, don't stop. Always excelling in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Serving leads to growth and passion in your faith. Just like growth and passion in your faith lead to serving. They work together. Serving will bring growth and passion in your faith. Growth and passion in your faith will lead to serving. They work hand in hand. So what does that mean? Serve the Lord. And finally this, rejoice in hope. Let joy come in your life and let it lead to hope. Rejoice in hope. This is what I mean. It means it, the, the, this is the result of the believer's diligence in growing, in growing your gift and growing your passion that comes from working and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Rejoice with hope. This means it's not based on circumstances. It's not a hope so kind of faith where you're thinking maybe this will be good and maybe this will happen. No, this is a confident expectation that God will do what he has promised he would do. I can rejoice in the promises of God. Look at what he says here in Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, what does that mean? It means God, through Jesus Christ, has said, if you have accepted him as your savior, he said, you are right with me. That's what righteous means. You have a right standing with God. It's based on nothing you've done. It's all about what he's done. Therefore, because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have peace with God. God is at peace with you because you have said yes to his grace. It goes on. He says, we have also obtained access through him, through Jesus, by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God has given you access now into his presence. So he's made you right with him. He's given you peace and now you have access to him. And not only that, it gets better, but we also rejoice in afflictions, in trouble and pain and hardship because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. And this hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. See, rejoicing in hope is when your future with God is more precious and satisfying than any other treasure that you could possibly imagine. Today, it's very simple. Being real, 
Being real is essential for real community to take place. More than anything, I'd want you to know Jesus Christ is your Savior. If you don't have a relationship with Him today, let me pray with you. Let me invite you to pray with me. Let me introduce you to the one who's called Jesus. He's the Christ, the Son of God, the one who will make you right with God, give you peace, and give you access to the God of heaven. And that will rejoice in an overflowing hope that will never, never let you down. Would you pray with me? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's very simple. The Bible says to call out to him, confess your sin, and acknowledge him as your Savior. You can simply say this, Jesus, I believe in you. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Say, Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life because I am ready to follow you. And I say yes to you today. Listen, if you prayed that with me, if you said that with me, I would love for you to let us know from the end of this message. You can let us know. There's a way to contact us, get in touch with us. Say simply this, I said yes to Jesus today. And let us put some resources in your hand and help you take the next step toward biblical community, true freedom, and growing your faith. I hope to see you again next week. God bless you and uh, have a great week. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the Give tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the Give section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.